0: Did you hear about the man in California who was praying to God? And he said, God, there's just so much on my mind. There's just so much that I need. And to his surprise, God spoke to him. And God said, what is it that you seek, my child? And without hesitation, the man said, well, God, I would really appreciate it if you would build a bridge that would stretch here from the shores of California all the way to Hawaii so I could drive over whenever I wanted. And God said, Seems like a rather selfish request to me. I don't think I'm going to do that. I mean, can you imagine the amount of steel structure that would have to run along the bottom of the ocean? Can you, can you begin to fathom? The, the, the countless amounts of concrete and steel that it would take? No. No, is there anything else you seek? And the man said, yes, while you're asking, Lord, could you help me to understand women? I, I would really like to know why they think the way they think. And, and I would really like to know what I could do to truly make a woman happy. And with very little hesitation, the Lord spoke back and He said, My son, do you want that bridge to be two lanes or four? (laughs) There are some prayer requests that at times to us seem impossible. Maybe it is a prayer request for full physical recovery after someone has heard a doctor say, I'm sorry, I don't think there's anything else that can be done. Maybe it's a prayer request for a marriage to be reconciled when it seems as though no amount of marriage counseling is going to help fix this marriage. There, There are times when we just feel so overwhelmed, so burdened by life And we think, you know what, I I don't even know if God could answer this prayer request. What we're going to see in Acts today as we continue our sermon series, we're going to see a time where, as always, God proved that the impossible is possible for Him. And so let's pick up together in Acts chapter I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Now, this is not the first time that Peter had been arrested. But obviously, there was probably a sense that this was different. That that the outcome here was surely going to be much dire than in times past. Herod is a bad man. Herod is an evil man. Herod has full intent of putting Peter to death. And why? Because he'd already killed James and he saw how his popularity grew. And so now he's going to kill Peter too. So his popularity can continue to increase. That phrase there at the end of that passage, bring him out to the people, that's not so Peter can have like a a fair and just trial of his peers. Okay, the indication there is saying we're going to bring him out in public and we're going to execute him in public so that everyone can see, so that everyone can witness the death of Peter. And to make sure, to make sure that nothing happens, to make sure that Peter doesn't somehow slip off in the night, we're going to put four squads of soldiers on him. I mean, we're talking maximum security. One squad would have been four soldiers. So here are 16 soldiers that have been assigned to little old Peter. And then what happened? Well, in the face of certain tragedy, in the face of what would appear to be the impending death of Peter, what does the church do? Let's go down to verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. What did the church do? The church prayed. But I wonder what it was that they prayed for. I mean, obviously, Scripture doesn't tell us specifically what their prayer requests were. But I can't help but imagine, given the circumstances, that maybe those heartfelt prayers, maybe they sounded something like this. Lord, please be with Peter. Please. Please help him to not maybe feel so much pain as he faces death. Lord, please give give Peter that that peace. Your peace that passes all of our understanding. Give him that peace as he faces his own execution. Father, Father, help him be strong. Help him to, to not deny you in the face of, of death itself. And those are all very kind. Genuine, hearted prayers. But there's something missing from prayers like that. They're, what's missing is a, is a desire to really pray for what a person really wants. You see, sometimes sometimes we, we've been conditioned, I think, to just pray for the reasonable <laughs> instead of the impossible. Because it's obvious based on what happened after God set him free, it's obvious that they were not praying or expecting for Peter to show up on their doorstep. You see, after God set Peter free, let's go back and continue reading. I'm going to pick up now in verse 11. When Peter came to himself, this is after he's been set free from prison, Peter comes to himself and he says, Now I am sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people are expecting. When you realize this, He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice. In her joy, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and reported Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, who said to her? Those who had been praying for Peter. They said to her, you are out of your mind she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. This is not a group of people who are expecting Peter to be standing outside. This is a group of people who think the greater possibility is it's an angel knocking at the door. There is no way he's out of prison. There is no way he's alive. So it can't be him. You are obviously rota. You're out of your mind. It must just be an angel. You see, sometimes we we think it's unreasonable to pray for the impossible and I, and I think the reason that happens is because we've all experienced life. And as we experience life, and we share our deepest desires sometimes, I mean, those desires are not met. And we reason to ourselves that that's just the way it is. I remember, I remember when I was nine years old. It was Christmas time. Me and Mom had gone to the Galleria to see Santa. And man, it was a big deal. I was so excited to see Santa Claus, and he was up on this big platform, and I had to walk up to where he was, and I, and I sat down there with Santa Claus. And I remember Santa looking in my eyes and he said, "What do you really want for Christmas?" And I said, "What do I really want? I really want a little brother. And I remember Santa laughing, kind of like you just laughed and saying, well, you're going to have to talk to your mama about that. I said, oh, okay. Because <laughs> I had not expressed that want to my mama. So when I, I left Santa and I, I went down and mom and I were walking on and she asked me, what did you ask Santa for? I said, well, mama, he said I was going to have to talk to you. Keep in mind, my mama was a single divorced woman. And I said, mama, I really want a baby brother. Well... We stopped for a while and sat down. And Mama very quickly explained to me that there are some things that even Santa Claus cannot bring. That in other words, that was not going to happen. Maybe for you, maybe you were let down right around your 16th birthday. Maybe in your mind, you, you had this new car envisioned and you thought surely this was going to be what your parents got you. And they asked you, they said, well, what do you want? And you said, man, you're asking me what I want. Let me tell you what I want. I really want this new car. And they kind of (laughs) laughed. They said, it's not going to happen. Or maybe even recently, maybe you approached your boss and you asked for a raise. And your boss chuckled. And they said, in this economy, it's not going to happen. You see, life experiences Life experiences sometimes teach us it doesn't always happen. We don't always get what we want. Therefore, what we do is we start praying reasonable prayers instead of impossible prayers. That's why sometimes we'll pray for a person's comfort instead of simply praying for their complete healing. Because it seems more reasonable. Our God... We don't have to think reasonably with Him. He wants us to request the impossible. He is fully capable, if it be His will, of presenting us with the impossible. Our God, our God set Peter free in the midst of all those guards, in the midst of all that security, in the midst of the chains, in the midst of the jail cell, Our God set him free. And and if our God set him free, then what prayers? What prayers can he answer for us? Go back to our text. Verse 17. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. That's the same James, by the way, that sometime later, when he would write his epistle, would write about why our requests were not being answered. And I know you remember that. He said, well, you see, the things you want, you're not being answered because you're asking for impossible things. That's what he said, right? No. In James 4, verse 2, James writes, you don't have because you don't ask. So you see, there are a lot of times in this life God doesn't answer our prayers simply because we don't ask. It's not that it's on Him. It's not that it's His fault. It's actually ours. Sometimes we determine the outcome simply by not asking. You say, now hold on, Blake. Sometimes, though, I ask. I have asked and asked and asked. And God didn't answer my prayer. Maybe a better way of saying that would say God always answers our prayers. It's just sometimes the answer he gives isn't what we hoped for. And when that happens, it can be devastating. This is Ted Turner. Many of us here in the South are very familiar with Mr. Turner. He is a multi-billionaire. He was the founder of CNN, TBS, TNT. He is, was once the owner of the Atlanta Braves. I mean, this guy, at this point in life, I think he owns half the state of Montana. He is a multi-billionaire. Now, when he was a boy, do you know what he wanted to do with his life? He wanted to be a missionary. Now, if you know much about Ted Turner and his adult life, you're probably sitting there about as shocked as I was when I read that earlier this week. I read an interview with him, and he said when he was a boy, he wanted to be a missionary. But he had a little sister. And his sister got sick when she was 12 years old. And he prayed the impossible. He prayed that she would be made well. And by the age of 17, she passed away. So Mr. Turner said, I could never follow a God who wouldn't answer my prayers. See, sometimes when we ask God for things, when we pray those impossible prayers, and we don't receive the answer that we think we want, it can be quite devastating. But I think that's why it's so important that if we have the faith to pray impossible prayers, that we also have the faith to recognize that God is sovereign. What does it mean to say God is sovereign? Simply put, it means that God knows more than I do. That's what it means. And if I really believe that God knows more than I do, then even in those moments where I don't get the answer that I may be hoping for in the moment, I know God knows why. I know God may have said no because He knows that what I've asked for is going to hurt me more than it will help me. Or, Or I know that in this moment God is saying no or not right now because He knows that if I remain in the situation I'm in, that I'm going to lean on Him a lot more and I'm going to learn to be more dependent upon Him. And I need that in my spiritual life. And there are times when I... I do not know. I have no idea why He says no. But I know He knows why. I know He knows what is best for me. And so if we're going to have the faith to pray those impossible prayers, we also must be very grounded, very rooted in the reality that God is sovereign and that He knows. He knows so much better than we what is best. But then there are going to be those times when God says yes. I like it when God says yes. But we have to be ready for whatever comes with it. The church prayed fervently for Peter. Again, we don't know for sure what they prayed for, but I I, I could just about guarantee what they didn't ask is that God would deliver him on their doorstep. (laughs) They they got a little bit more than they intended. What do you think would have happened had Herod found out about that prayer meeting? Everybody at that prayer meeting would have been executed the same way all those guards who he slipped by were executed. You see, sometimes there are things we want. There are things we request. And God says yes. But we have to be ready for whatever comes with it. Maybe you've been praying for a child or a grandchild to come back to the Lord. God wants that too. But maybe, maybe what you need to do now is to reinvest more of yourself back into that relationship so that you can have eternal conversations. Maybe, maybe you want so desperately and you've been praying for so long for your marriage to be reconciled. God wants that too. But maybe, maybe you're going to have to be the person to take the first step and offer complete and unconditional forgiveness. Maybe, maybe there's that person that you love so dearly and you've been praying for so long that they would one day obey the Gospel. And God wants that too. But maybe now, now it's time for you to stop praying about it and you share the Gospel with them. You see, there comes a point where we have to be ready when God answers our prayers, we have to be ready for whatever comes with it. Should we pray for the impossible? Absolutely. There was a story told about a small town where a nightclub had been built. And the church there got very upset about this nightclub. They didn't want the nightclub in the city. They they were very afraid of the sinful element that the nightclub would bring in. So the church got together one night, and they had a prayer meeting in regards to this nightclub. And they said that during the night that everyone there prayed that God would do something to just eliminate this nightclub, to, to get it out of their town. That one person went so far as to pray that, God, we've seen you, we've seen and read about in days of old, we, we know that You can bring fire from heaven. God, if You would even just burn that building down. Just get it, get it out of here. Well, a day or two passed, and a storm came through town. Lightning hit that building, and that building burnt to the ground. Word spread real fast around town, uh, about this prayer meeting that had taken place. And it got back to the owner of the nightclub. So the owner of the nightclub sues the members of the church. And so as they're standing before the judge, the members of the church did not deny the prayer meeting. But they said they had absolutely no responsibility in the burning down of that building. So after the judge listened to both sides, he came back and he said, you know, I, I really don't know who is at fault here, but this much I do know. The nightclub owner believes in the power of prayer, but the church doesn't. I pray that we will always be a church that prays for the impossible. You know, I remember the evening. I remember the evening that Craig King was in a motorcycle wreck. And I remember standing there not knowing if he would ever be able to walk again without at least assistance, a cane, something. But we prayed for the impossible. And, and I remember the night. I remember the night Susie Morgan was crossing the street going up over to the jail to teach her Bible class and that car hit her We didn't know if she was going to make it or not. But we prayed the impossible. I look around this assembly and I see so many of you that I know have heard those dreaded words, it's cancer. And I I can't even begin to imagine what that must have seemed like. The the death sentence that must have seemed like in the moment, but we prayed for the impossible. I remember when my son was just an infant, I didn't know if he was going to make it or not. But we prayed for the impossible. I hope and pray that we never forget the the testimonies that are all around us of those moments when God has heard our prayers and He has answered our cries, That He has heard those calls, those, those prayers for the impossible. And that we never forget what a good and gracious God He is. And that in that, We are always a body of believers that have the faith to pray for the impossible. But, that we also are a body of believers who have the faith to rejoice no matter how God sees fit to answer those prayers. Because we understand, we appreciate that our God is a sovereign God. That He knows better than we know. This morning, maybe there's something in your life you'd like for us to pray with you or for you about. Maybe you think it's improbable. Maybe you think it's impossible. I want you to know that there is nothing too big for our God. There is nothing that He is not capable of handling. There's something in your life you'd like for us to pray with you and for you about. Won't you come as we stand and sing?